Hi, welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. It's very fashionable these days to hear people speak of influencers, people who work with brands to promote their products and services to a niche audience in which they have a strong following. Well, our industry has had that for a while. They're called race ambassadors, and they can be your race's special influencers, going out into the community and spreading the word for your event in their running club, weekly group run, or the next race or expo they attend. Well, today I have the pleasure of talking with William Dyson, communications manager for High Five Events. William manages the race ambassador programs for such prestigious events as the Austin Marathon, 3M Half Marathon, Cuptex Tri, and Kerbal Triathlon and he'll be sharing his thoughts with us on how you can launch, grow, and manage your own race ambassador program, including tips on using incentives, keeping track of your ambassador's performance, and ways to come up with unique ideas to make the most of your ambassador's community reach. Before we go into all that, though, a quick shout-out to our podcast sponsor, Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up, the leading all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events. More than 22,000 in-person, virtual, and hybrid events Use Give Sign Up Run Sign Up's free and integrated solution to save time, grow their events, and raise more. A big, big thank you to our friends at Give Sign Up Run Sign Up for their enthusiastic support of our Head Start podcast. And if you want to know more about amazing technology that can transform every aspect of your next race, go visit runsignup.com. That's runsignup.com. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure to subscribe on your favorite player. And if you have a minute, consider leaving us a review. We read every one of them, and we really appreciate your feedback. Okay, now let's get into this amazing episode. William, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here, ready to ready to kick this off. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. First things first, you're based in Texas, is that right? Correct. Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Super. That is where High Five Events, the whole company and, and crew are based as well, I guess, right? Correct. The company was founded here. We'll st- we're still here. Uh, we run with all the groups, swim with all the clubs. So we're, we're in this community as, as thick as we can be. So tell us a little bit more about um, High Five Events. Quite a few people would know about um, the races you put on in the US. I mean, you have some really prestigious uh, names on the roster. But tell us a little bit more about um, High Five Events and um, the kinds of events you put on. And also, a little bit about your role within the organization. Yeah, so High Five was founded in Austin, but we're one of the largest privately owned uh, large-scale endurance event production companies in the country. Currently on our on our roster is the Ascension Seaton Austin Marathon presented by Under Armour, uh, which we'll kind of talk a, a little bit more about today as, as it pertains to our ambassadors, but also the 3M Half Marathon, uh, which is one of the fastest half marathon courses in the country. Uh, we also have the Cat Tex Triathlon, which next year will celebrate its 30th anniversary as Austin's only downtown triathlon. And then we also have uh, Kerrville Triathlon Festival, which we just produced a couple of weeks ago at the end of September out in the Texas Hill Country. And that event actually just celebrated its 10th anniversary. So we're, we've been around for a while. Uh, like I was kind of saying earlier, we're, we're endurance athletes ourselves, so we know what we want and what we expect from events and from the the production of those events. Uh, But we also tap into the community so that we kind of have that firsthand feedback that, uh, you know, maybe some other event production companies don't necessarily have access to. And your role within High Five Events, you're the communications manager, is that right? Yes, sir. And I wear uh, a couple of hats within that, uh, but that pertains to everything from press releases to content creation, 
media relations, community relations. Um, I also handle and manage uh, the elite athlete program for the for the Austin Marathon and Austin Half Marathon. Also the elite field for the 3M Half Marathon. And what we'll really dive into today uh, is essentially the ambassador program manager. And how are things with um, races coming back for you guys? Are you uh, are you back to full swing? Oh yeah, we're we're definitely back to full swing. We did have uh, kind of a modified version of the Austin Half Marathon earlier this year from a uh, from its original date. We worked with the city to have a a postponed date um, in late April. But the Kerrville Triathlon Festival that we just produced a couple of weeks ago at the end of September uh, saw the largest field in the event history. So that that gives us uh, a pretty good picture and uh, some indicators that people are ready to come back. People are ready to race. Um, especially, you know, since they've been off for 12, 18, 24 months. I think Texas from, um, I was discussing this with with a guest I had uh, a few episodes back, who was the uh, marketing uh, manager for the Woodlands Marathon. And he was telling me that Texas generally fared quite okay through the crisis, I guess. I mean, it was one of the first ones to open up with like in-person events. So do you guys have a particularly hard time through the through the pandemic? I mean, I, I guess as 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 difficult as as everyone else. But what really came in handy was our our working relationships with our sponsors, our partners, but also with the city of Austin and and various officials that we we interact with. Just from an event standpoint alone, uh, being able to really come together and and kind of have a mind belt almost to be able to not only produce events that are beneficial to the city and to our communities. Uh, but also to do that in a manner that's that's safe for staff, volunteers, and participants. Mm, super, super. That's that's nice to hear. Today, as you mentioned, we're going to be talking about race ambassador programs. Really interesting topic. Something that's um, we've had a lot of interest in 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 our group about uh, having a podcast on this. For people who don't know, what are we talking about? What is a race ambassador program, and and how does it work? It's essentially you're you're recruiting and. Uh, bringing enthusiasts and, and fanatics of your event closer into your world in a sense that they are now essentially representatives of the event and they they love it so much they they run it every year or maybe they're real big into the the local running community whether they lead a group or two or they help produce smaller events or they they're volunteering all the time but it's it's these individuals who just have this this outgoing personality about them. They, they love running, whether they're new runners or veteran runners. Um, that's something we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's, a, it's an extension of the event in the company and the business. And, and what it does is, is it allows individuals like myself to essentially be in, in multiple places at one time because we then empower these individuals and give them the tools and the resources necessary to go out and be the ambassadors and the representatives of these events that then can kind of infiltrate the community a little bit more and and really expand the impact that we that we have. And from the point of view of someone like, you know, high five events or from the point of view of a race director, what are you trying to achieve with a race ambassador program? Sort of why are you doing it in the first place? It's a chance to to increase our exposure. It's a chance to expand the brand awareness really, really increase that community engagement that, I mean, there's only so many group runs I can attend. There's only so many 530 5Ks I can attend, so many happy hours I can go to. Um, but when you, when you really start to interact with and engage with these individuals who are, who are highly 
engaged with your event and they're big fans of your event already to bring them further into the mold it's a chance to to basically expand the amount of individuals who are out there stumping for your event helping push registration talk about price increases share blogs whether it's tips whether it's user generated content whether it's stories of training for your first half marathon it's it's just a chance to really kind of increase your reach and expand that engagement uh, beyond what you can currently do or or are able to do in-house. And the ultimate bottom line, I guess, is to to help you get more people registered for the event, right? That's that's what the ambassador's job sort of is about. Yes, I would I would say that that's the one A to the one B, which is enhanced community relations, expanded brand awareness, increased exposure, reach. Uh, you know, as as communities start to gain momentum when it comes to endurance in sports or building healthier lifestyles or eating better or increasing the amount of exercise that they do, people start to congregate and come together and and you start to see these little clubs and these groups form and it's just people that want to get together and have coffee and tacos after their morning run or grab a beer after a hard evening workout. And so to be able to, to tap into these opportunities is a little bit more difficult when it's one individual essentially or maybe two individuals in a company but when you can expand the amount of eyeballs and faces that are out in the community representing your event that's what leads to the increased exposure uh, brand awareness community engagement and and that's when things really start to tick up which can then lead back to increased registration or website clicks or blog readers or social media followers. All of these things are cyclical and they all feed into one another. But that's why I kind of go back with the 1A, 1B mentioned earlier. Yes, we do want to sell registrations, but at the end of the day too, uh, we want people going to our side, following us on social, coming to some of these community events um, in order to get them in our in our world and in our community and, and have them stay because they're they're enjoying it so much. Yeah, and obviously these are people who, you know, feel quite passionate about the event, right? They really like the brand, they really like taking part. Beyond that, what are sort of the the incentives that are driving race ambassadors to go out and, you know, represent the brand and do well for the brand? Sort of what's in it for the race ambassador? Yeah, so they get gear and codes, right? So we we kind of we kind of swag them out, make sure that they have shirts, shorts, hats, coffee mugs, pint glasses, bandanas. I mean, anything you can think of that would, would incentivize someone from a, from a gear standpoint, um, because it's kind of that exclusivity factor, right? You only get so many ambassadors per year and each year we do a different design, different, different gear. So it's, it's really kind of exclusive to that year. So it it does have that exclusivity aspect to it. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, they get to represent an event that they love. And that goes back to the exclusivity because not everyone that applies to be an ambassador for our events is accepted uh, just from sheer budgetary standpoints and, and also just managing a vast amount of people. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later too, but uh, we also give them codes. They get codes uh, that they can use in order to incentivize people to register for the event. But then we also give them comp codes for the event itself. And that's one of the perks that uh, as they're accepted into the ambassador program, they essentially get a free comp code to register for the event. So specifically for the Austin Marathon, they could run 26.2 miles or 13.1 miles, or they could run the 5K. Whatever they want to do, 
um, just as long as they're being the ambassador that that they said they would be when they applied for the for the program. And it's it's also an opportunity for those individuals to network and gain exposure for themselves, whether they're coaches, whether they're with a certain group, whether they just started a club of their own. Uh, it's really a chance to kind of further cement themselves inside the running community here in Austin, but also in Central Texas and then across the state. Just to clarify at this point, we're not talking about necessarily elite runners or only fast runners or, you know, like people of that kind of sort. Oh, correct. These the individuals that are our ambassadors, they're all across the running spectrum. First timers, veterans, people returning from injury, people who have never raced a marathon before, someone who's training for their first half marathon. Uh, Austinites, people from Houston or Dallas. Uh, I think we have we have one or didn't check the roster, but we I know we have at least one individual from Mexico City. So yeah, our, that's that's one of our goals too is to not really zero in on the fast people or someone with a large following or someone with a you know a, a popular blog because that's not representative of the endurance community in and of itself. And that's what we try to do. We try to make sure that our ambassador program and the individuals within it represent the the running community at large. So you mentioned uh, following there, and I would have thought that someone with a large following would be kind of like a no-brainer to have in your roster because, you know, like the more people they can reach, the better for the event, the better for the bottom line. But you're suggesting there that the story behind the individual and the passion and the enthusiasm they have for the event is equally, if not more important to just the numbers of how many people follow them, follow them on Instagram or someplace. Correct. I mean, that you know, following does factor into it audience does factor into it but you know there's many levels of influencers out there right and and you start looking at your nano and your your macro and micro influencers they have audiences of their own they may not be hundred thousand followers or a million followers but if it's a hundred or if it's a thousand but those are highly engaged followers and that audience is commenting all the time or providing feedback or liking or spreading the awareness of that individual, there's no one size fits all. And each level of influencer has its own benefit. And that's why we try to not necessarily just look at individuals with large followings. Uh, we, really look at, we really look at the entire spectrum. And that's why we, we review every application thoroughly just to make sure that who does this individual work with? Who do they run with? Who, who else do they run with as far as groups or clubs? Do they also swim and bike and do triathlon? Like, What is their reach? What is their exposure? Whether they have 100 followers or a million followers, your exposure and your reach can still kind of have that same impact from a percentage standpoint uh, because that individual with a million followers isn't necessarily going to reach all 1 million followers. And even if they have a thousand comments, chances aren't as likely that they'll be able to respond to and or engage with all of those individuals. Whereas uh, a nano influencer who might have 100 or 500 followers, the chance that they can increase or excuse me, the chance that they can engage with their audience is much higher, which then also reflects themselves or reflects highly upon themselves, but then also the brand as they're an ambassador for uh, a specific event. And you mentioned there that, uh, you know, when, when you set up a program like that, particularly for the event you guys put on, like, you know, the 3M Half and the Austin Marathon, pretty prestigious events, you must get a decent amount of people applying, I guess, right? I mean, lots of people Correct. would love the gear, would love the uh, just being part of the brand, wearing the gear, being an ambassador. Uh, can you give us some numbers roughly, like 
in your case, how many people would apply, let's say, to the, you know, to next year's Austin Marathon uh, Race Ambassador Program? And, and of those, how many would be accepted in the end? Yeah, so actually we just, we opened this up for 2022 a couple of months ago. So we already have our ambassadors in place. I want to say we had 80 to 90 applications and we accepted 33. And, and a lot of those numbers, as far as the acceptance rate is concerned, stems from a budgetary standpoint, but then also a management, uh, it, basically a, a leadership and a management standpoint. Yeah, because, because this thing, people may not necessarily realize, I guess, and it wasn't obvious to me when I was thinking about race ambassador programs, but this is managing people, right? This is managing a good you know, 30, 40 people per event. And as you said, it's not just the money you put in to get the gear, to train them, to do all of that, like from a budgeting point of view, it must take a lot of time to, you know, to just coordinate all, all those people. You're right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you just think about the communication aspect alone. Emails, just emails. Don't even, don't even look at social media or potential phone calls or text messages or just conversations at group runs or smaller events or other community events, right? You, that's... That's something that's that's often overlooked as far as putting together an ambassador program is the management aspect of it when it comes to communications. I also have created uh, basically a private Facebook group for all of our ambassadors just as another means of mass communication. And not everyone's going to be on Facebook. I get that. I understand that. But those individuals who might not check their email all the time might check Facebook more. It's just another, it's just a different platform and a different opportunity to communicate. But what that Facebook group does too, is it also opens up the floor for other discussions. It, it opens up the floor to questions that an ambassador might ask of me, but that another ambassador might be able to answer or at least start a dialogue about that question in response to it until I can get there. And what that does and, and what I've seen these last couple months is that tends to reduce the amount of communication that I have to do. If I can go in and see that that question has been answered a couple of times by a couple of different ambassadors, boom, I'm like, yeah, Chelsea and Brian are right. Thanks for your help. Right. And then be able to move on and move forward with the, with the next task at hand. But yeah, communication is a, it's, it's massive because you can have these individuals in your world and you can have them representing your brand and your event. But if you don't communicate with them, they're going to be left in the dark. And, and that can only lead to bad things because then they're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know what to say. They're not going to know when to say it. They're not going to know how to share things or what certain things they should share or how, how they can answer certain questions. And I'm a, I'm a big over communicator. That's as a communications manager, that's just kind of my, uh, my MO. So any information I can give them one to two weeks out in advance and then provide reminders throughout I'm going to do that for them because that then empowers them to communicate messages and share content that we as a brand and as an event want shared. And, and that's actually a great tip. I've seen this kind of approach being used with managing volunteers as well, creating the community and the peer-to-peer -peer network where people can sort of like answer questions for themselves. It, it, it takes a lot of time and, and burden off, off your chest, I guess, where you have to Correct. run all of those things. You're empowering them. Right. And that's what you want from these ambassadors. You want them to represent your brand and your event to the fullest of their capabilities. And if you're not giving them all the information they need or answering their questions or talking through scenarios or providing examples, then then they're not going to feel the confidence they need to feel 
to go out and effectively represent your brand and your event. And in terms of the direction you're giving them, on top of them interacting with each other, I guess this is more like a personal thing, but like for you specifically, how you know, micromanager do you do you get with your race ambassadors? You know, do you actually send them, for instance, you know, like an actual schedule of when to post or even, you know, like things to post about? Like, or, or do you give them a lot more flexibility to do their own thing and post at their own at will? Yeah. So there's kind of two different scenarios when it comes to that. Um, I do not provide them with a schedule. I don't say when to post. I don't say how to post. Um, they do have some some guidelines as far as if you're an Austin Marathon on ambassador, but you also represent other events or brands, when you're an Austin Marathon ambassador, you're only an Austin Marathon ambassador. And we do provide them with content and designs when it comes to uh, price increases or anything that's specific or associated with a date because we want them to share what's on brand and it follows our color scheme. It shares our logo. It shares the exact font and the text that we want. So, and there's not a a specific schedule with that unless the design has text in it that says price increase tonight or price increase tomorrow or price increase in five days. So those are kind of the only times where requirements is concerned and, and kind of mandated. But outside of that, you know, we want them sharing tips. We want them to post about their training. We want them to to post about their accomplishments. We want them to share the the bad runs or the small injuries or the big injuries or coming back or being sick and missing a week's worth of running. And what does that mean? Because other runners are dealing with those same issues. And it to have it come, like you mentioned earlier, that that peer-to-peer, individuals are more likely to believe in that in in follow that individual or believe in what they're saying because they're experiencing the same thing and they can they can modify off of that or they can follow what that individual is doing or they can tweak their tips and their advice to fit their own scenario. It's really, it's not a free for all, but it's it's definitely kind of, uh, I don't know, controlled chaos might be, a, might be a good word because some people like to share a lot. Some people like to share once a week. Some people are on Instagram and not Facebook. Some people are on Facebook and not Twitter and Instagram, right? And so that's where you kind of got to figure out where individuals' strengths and weaknesses are and really zero in and and play to those strengths and weaknesses. And that kind of goes back to that communication aspect. It's like, hey, tell me everything that you like to do and tell me what you don't like to do. Because if you're not on Facebook, then I'm not going to keep inviting you to the Facebook group or give you these certain designs to share. And that's that just goes back to... Uh, understanding your ambassadors and, and what role they fit in order to maximize the the opportunity that that has presented itself within the ambassador program when they actually share that content you know like the training runs all of that all of that stuff how does your event come into that do they sort of like hashtag you know Austin marathon or something or they just drop a thing about oh I did my run today sort of training for the Austin marathon like how how explicit does the event come up through all of that content? Yeah. So they'll tag us basically and remind people that they're an ambassador for the event. Um, And that way we can see that and share certain Instagram posts or stories or comment on Facebook. And they don't have to do it all the time. We don't want them to overwhelm their audience or their community because that's not natural. Essentially, like if they're just posting about being an ambassador all the time, 
people are going to get they're going to get turned off by that because that's all they're going to see. That's not what the that's not why they followed that person in the first place, right? Um, now, if they're sharing their unique code, of course, we want them to remind people that they're an ambassador for that event. And that's why they should use their unique code to save $10 off their registration if they use that individual's code. So it's it 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 kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier and in, in kind of understanding people and their their strengths and their weaknesses and, and making sure that they're following uh, a lot of the guidelines that were set forth whenever they first came on board. Mm. And beyond the the online stuff, which I guess is what comes to mind for most people, do you expect them or would people go out of their way to also engage with runners offline, maybe do like a like a group run or maybe, you know, go into their local running store and, and hand out leaflets or anything like that? Oh, yeah, that's that's another big thing as far as posters and, and flyers and postcards that they can hand out. And that's why it's beneficial to have a certain segment of your ambassador program outside of central texas for for our specific uh for specific purposes for this podcast and having people in san antonio houston and dallas i mean that's big because they then have their their own network right their own connections they can take that stuff into those areas uh, that we necessarily can't get and they have those personal relationships with those individuals with those managers with those store owners with those group leaders um, that we don't necessarily have and so it's another avenue by which we can have an impact on those communities and get our brand into places that it might not otherwise be. And I'll give you a, a couple of examples. You know, when this first started, one of our ambassadors created a Strava group for the ambassadors that they could just follow one another and share their runs, share their training. Uh, earlier this month, we sent some postcards to one of our ambassadors who's also kind of a co race director for a smaller event. Uh, in the town that she lives in. And what she wanted was she wanted some postcards that she could then put in the packets for her participants as they were stuffing them. So when you're thinking about this and opportunities that arise, don't don't think that there's a one size fits all or that there's only you know certain things that can or can't be done because your ambassadors are going to come up with every idea under the sun. The only thing that is the holdback is that can we do this from a timeline standpoint and from a budget standpoint? And if the answer is yes, then you have to do it. I mean, you just got to knock it out because the 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 return on investment can be through the roof if you if you take into consideration all the opportunities that are out there, all the different networks that are touched by your ambassadors. So you're basically sitting there and you're quite fortunate in that you're saying your race ambassadors, if you pick the right kind of person they will be so excited they'll be bringing initiatives to you that you know then you have to to weigh up and and you know depending on budget and time and stuff approve or turn down correct yeah i mean i'll include uh content creation blogs videos i mean people share stuff all the time and and it if they're sharing stories about their most recent run or their weekend long run or how they you know they tweaked their calf and they're going to see this specialist i mean all of these things that kind of reflect the community at large are ways that can humanize your brand in your event in a way that you might be able to do to a certain extent, but as your ambassadors grow and, and feel more empowered and more free to share their stories and their training and their lives, the more you can increase their exposure from your event, but then also that in turn increases their exposure as a singular individual within your ambassador program. And you mentioned, which actually was also a little bit surprising to me, that 
it also makes sense to have a portion of your race ambassadors be outside the direct region where you're putting on the races. So you guys are in central Texas and you said that, you know, you have ambassadors sort of like all over Texas. How do you weigh that up? Like how many ambassadors would you get outside of your core region and and why? And, and what kind of return would you expect to get from those guys? So it, it's a little different because one of the one of the requirements for ambassadors is to work or be a representative at a how do I how do I word this an expo where their event is present and has a booth. And so they're basically there for a four hour shift or they could do all eight hours or they could do every other day. You know, however the expo is set out, that's another chance for them to uh, earn those comp entries that we talked about earlier. But again, that's an extension of their opportunity to represent the brand and for to for people our followers or even their followers to put faces with names or faces with profiles and, and really get to talk about the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the training for a half, the training for a full, or, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for an in-person experience. And so specifically for the Austin Marathon, I, I think I tried to have about 70 to 75% from the central Texas area just for that fact alone, because three of our events, Austin Marathon, 3M Half, and CapTex Try, are here in Austin. And so all of our events will have booths at the other events, expos. So it's really important to have individuals be able to step up and say, hey, yeah, I'll work this shift, or I'll work that shift, or I can bring my friend and she'll come with me, or my coach will come with me to, to talk about some training or something like that. But that then goes back to having the other 25 to 30% be outside of the central Texas area because they can then go to their own community events, right? Like I was kind of saying earlier that the, the lady who wanted to put the postcards in the packets for the event that she co-produced, that's, that's big. That's an opportunity that we, we wouldn't have had if it weren't for her. And if it weren't for her bringing that idea to us and saying, hey, William, I've got this idea. I've got this event. It's on this date. We have this kind of timeline. I need this by this date and I need 300 of them. And I'm like, all right, I think we can do that. Let me talk with some people and get back to you. You never know what's going to come from any one of your ambassadors. It's just a matter of looking at the particular situation or scenario and making sure that it makes sense and aligns with your goals as well as the goals of the amba uh, ambassador program. And you as the person who's responsible for, for managing all those guys, do you encourage ambassadors or even yourself meeting up in person as well? Do you do you actually sit down with a team and, and have a drink or something? Yeah, so we've done happy hours in the past. We haven't done anything since we accepted the, the 2022 Austin Marathon and 3M Half Marathon Ambassadors. We haven't done anything in person yet. We do have monthly meetings that have been held over Zoom. But in the past, we have done some group runs. We have done some meetups. Uh, we have done some happy hours. It's just a chance to kind of Maybe not talk about running. Maybe talk about work. Maybe talk about other ideas. Maybe talk about trying triathlon for the first time. Or maybe it is to talk about someone who's maybe a little intimidated to train for their first marathon. Or maybe they have a friend and they don't know how to share advice with them or make them feel encouraged without talking down because they are a runner and their friend is not. And they don't want to, they don't want to come off as negative because they want to encourage that person to try that distance or to try that event. So it doesn't have to be about running and it doesn't have to be a, a personal experience or, or conversation. It can be about someone else trying to get them to then come into our community 
which then grows the endurance community at large. Okay, so you want to keep your race ambassadors motivated and working hard for your event to get more and more people signed up for it. And you want to reward your highest performing race ambassadors with premium swag and all kinds of VIP perks, but you can't spend the time to track every sign up your ambassadors refer and keep score of what each of them has earned in rewards. Now, no problem. Give sign up run signups, market leading referral rewards program can do all that for you automatically. All you have to do is set up your referral thresholds, say five referrals to get a special limited edition race tracker hat or something, and that's it. Give sign up, run sign up will keep track of all referrals and automatically reward your best ambassadors as and when they reach their referral goals. And in fact, why stop there? You can use that same give sign up, run sign up referral reward system to turn any one of your participants into a race ambassador. Each participant gets their unique referral code, like your race ambassadors do, and they can start getting back money on the registration fee when they refer friends and family to the race. And if you're wondering, will this move the needle on my registration count? Well, here's a statistic for you. In 2020, referrals accounted for 17% of all race registrations on Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up. That's right, nearly one in five registrations came from referrals just like this. So head over to runsignup.com forward slash marketing. That's runsignup.com forward slash marketing to learn more about Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up's awesome referral rewards program and start using the power of word of mouth and referrals today to turn all your biggest supporters into an army of race ambassadors. Speaking of which, let's go back to our chat with High Five Events' William Dyson. And let's hear a bit more about the process of recruiting your race ambassadors. So let's go back just for a minute now to the topic of selecting these guys and, you know, the application uh, process, which I think is sort of key to all this. It's it's a little bit of an art, I guess, but I think it sounds to me like it is one of the most important aspects of the Race Ambassador Program, because from what you've been saying, it seems to me that if you pick the right people, it's, you know, the program sort of runs itself with the right people. So what makes for a really good race ambassador pick? What are you looking for when you when you have those 100 or 200 applications through? First of all, what kind of questions do you ask in the application form? Like what information are you expecting to get from people to make that decision? And how do you make that decision? How do how do you pick from all the all those different profiles of runners that, you know, cut across different areas and backgrounds and and all of that? Yeah, so we'll, you know, we'll ask for name, address, city, um, experience as a runner, what clubs or groups they're connected with, um, whether they've done or been an ambassador before, whether it's one of our events or another event or a brand, because then that tells me that they have the experience and they kind of know what to expect coming into this opportunity. Granted, it might not be exactly the same, but they at least kind of have a heads up as to what's going on and, and could potentially be an asset to new ambassadors who might be doing this for the first time. I'm looking for first-time runners, veteran runners, people have only done halves, uh, people training for their first full. We're looking for slow people, fast people, middle-of-the-pack people. We're looking for all ages, male, female. It doesn't matter. We want our ambassador program to be reflective of the running community at large. And, and we kind of talked about that earlier, but it's it's imperative because if your ambassador program doesn't reflect your community or your participant base or individuals who are registering, registering for your event, 
that could potentially be a turnoff. It could, you know, they, it's the, it's the idea that, oh, I see someone like myself, I'm going to be more inclined to do that or pay attention to that or follow that individual or see what they're talking about or engage with them. That's a big thing is engagement and, and people feel more comfortable engaging with individuals who they can identify with. And so when you have that, that thought process going into the application process itself, because it's essentially an interview. It's a one-way interview. Um, sometimes I'll reach out and ask follow-up questions or say, hey, this link is broken. Can you reshare it? Or, you know, I need a little bit of clarification on your bio because, you know, this didn't fully make sense or I didn't understand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a chance to, to interview someone and, and be able to understand their background, their story, and why they're enthusiastic about representing your event. And so being able to see all of that is thrilling, but at the same time, it's, it's not because you, you have to reject some people. And that's the hardest part of this. If it, if it was up to me, I'd accept all of them. If I had all the money and all the time in the world, we'd have, I'd have 150 Austin Marathon ambassadors. Um, but that's, it's just not, it's not possible. And that's, that's the hard part about it is to see these great stories and to hear these, these first timers or these people coming back from injury or someone who's, you know, having their mom train with them for the first time, or, uh, they've, they've overcome addiction through running, right? They've, they've lost 150 pounds through running. Um, it's every runner's story is amazing. Saying no to people is, is the hardest part. I guess it is about the stories, right? Because then as they train, you know, it also gives you and the rest of your team content and ideas and sort of things to leverage as you have to put out content for the event, right? It's it's a two-way street. So, you know, like the ambassadors put out content, but having the right people with a story to share, it also works very well for you guys that then have to create stories and put out content through your social media and the website. Correct. Yeah. And I'll give you a, an excellent example is Kerrville Triathlon Festival uh, that we just produced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, our ambassadors for that event are, they're fantastic because they've, they've seen it all. They've done it all. And one of them had the idea of writing a blog on transition tips. And the reason that really struck me is because Kerrville Triathlon Festival has a split transition and they're about a mile and a half apart, meaning there's one transition near swim start and then there's one transition near the finish line. And so once they get out of the swim, they go to the bike into that transition and then they bike to the other transition. So it's a little bit different from your traditional triathlons that have one transition. So that person's always coming back to that spot, right? This ambassador wanted to write a, a split transition blog with tips and advice on how to handle it, how to prepare for it, what to look for, what to not look for, how to how to pack your bags, when to rack your bike, when to set up and you know, we could sit here and write this stuff from our standpoint and our knowledge and our experience in dealing with all this. But again, it comes back from that, that peer to peer mentality. This individual is a triathlete. This individual is a mother. This individual has done a half triathlon and I'm training for my first one. These tips and this advice is beneficial to me as a, as a registrant reading this um, knowing that it comes firsthand from a person where I can click on a link and go check out their Instagram profile or follow them or slide into their DMs and ask a question, right? That's another thing is these individuals have the power to answer questions on our behalf because they're knowledgeable about our event. 
and they're knowledgeable about the sport. And that's another aspect that's kind of underrated is, uh, you know, it's there, they have the opportunity to also be that mouthpiece for your event. And granted, that's a little different from media opportunities, which are a whole different animal in and of themselves. And I'll work with individuals, you know, to make sure that they're prepared and have the questions ahead of time and all that good stuff, especially for live or, or taped interviews. But yeah, if, if someone reaches out and asks a question about a blog they wrote or know they're an ambassador, and I mean, that's one less question I have to answer on social media. That's one less email our team has to answer on the back end of our system. So it there's there's kind of that that two-way street we kind of keep coming back to every every uh, every topic that we talk about as far as ambassador programs are concerned is that they're there to help and if you give them the tools and the and the resources needed to be helpful it's only going to better your your brand your event and your company yeah and you can definitely sort of strike gold with people like that who go out of their way and you know are being really helpful and they write posts and stuff like that which i can see being invaluable for you guys i guess you might also attract, you know, when you put out an, an ambassador program and you're saying, you know, we're going to give you free gear and a, you know, a couple of free tickets and stuff, you must also get some people who apply mostly for that, I guess, right? Just for the, for the free ticket and the gear. How does that make you feel? You know, it's, that's actually that population who, who fills out those applications is surprisingly low. And it's surprisingly rare. I mean, yeah, I'll get somewhere, you know, the, the bio says, oh, I've been running for five years. I love to run. I love Austin. That's great. I would love to accept you, but sell me. Sell me on your story, your experience, your network, your running life. How do you fit the brand? How do you represent the brand? How do you identify with the brand? Because that, that informs me what individuals are going to be best suited for the ambassador program. Yeah, there's some people out there that know about the gear. They know about the codes. They know about the codes to our other events. But it, it's pretty easy to weed through some of those individuals. But that's also the good thing with a lot of applications and a lot of applicants is you can sift through these stories and that kind of helps identify, all right, yeah, I, I, I hate to say no because you've been running for a long time and you're you know, well represented in the city. But these other people have even more amazing stories and they represent the brand better. And they represent the community better. And so it's if anyone out there is listening and they're applying for an ambassador program, you sell yourself, make make yourself seem like the perfect fit for the event you're applying for, because that's what's going to catch someone's eye. And that's what's going to make them want to accept you and, and essentially become an extension of the brand in the event. So I'm thinking in all this that perhaps if someone came your way or maybe you reached out to maybe like a celebrity or like a really well-known person, I would think they might be good for your race ambassador program. I mean, generally good for publicity for the event. Do you ever get that kind of profile or seek out people who, you know, like are just beyond just being like a running influencer, being someone really famous and tell them, you know, like an Austinite or something and tell them, you know, come come join the event. Like we, we really love to have you. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Yes, they're still ambassadors, but those really, really, truly present one-off customizable opportunities to to work with that individual or those individuals. Um, I'll bring up a, a very specific example is that the 2012 Olympic silver medalist, Leo Manzano, he's from Central Texas. Uh, actually, he's from uh, Mexico and then moved to Central Texas, went, ended up going to UT. Uh, just a, an amazing human. 
great story, down to earth, willing to help out any and every way possible. Uh, we've we've worked with him to help produce some mile events in the past, uh, but he's been the Austin Marathon celebrity race ambassador for the last four or five years, I believe. Um, and that's a completely separate opportunity from the ambassador program, although there might be parallels to the ambassador program as far as being a representative, answering questions, helping produce content, um, creating opportunities or opening doors, right? It's just on a different level and it provides a different opportunity. And sometimes those individuals are compensated financially. Sometimes it's gear and passes and comps and VIPs. Uh, Sometimes it's connections with sponsors and partners for additional ancillary opportunities. I mean, the like I was kind of saying earlier with our ambassador program, there's there's nothing you can say no to outright. It's just a matter of the timeline, the man hours, and the budgetary constraints that come with each possible scenario. And so Leo is an amazing individual because a lot of his content that he pushes out, and I'll work with him to create uh, you know, make sure he's tagged in social media or if he has specific messaging, I'll send it to him. But then he also does it in English and Spanish because that's that's his community, that's his audience, that's his following. And we have a large amount of participants who come from Mexico um, historically and, and even recently. And it's it's great to be able to tap into that network because it's it's authentic, it's genuine, it's coming from Leo, but it's an extension of the Austin Marathon and Austin Half Marathon. And that's what helps resonate with those individuals because it's coming from someone that they know and love and trust through the Austin Marathon. And that's something that we necessarily wouldn't be able to do because we don't have that relationship with Leo's community the way that Leo has that relationship with his community. Yeah, that's really that's a really interesting point. I never thought of that, that basically for you guys, particularly in Texas, there's also the the bilingual angle to it, right? So you want that content to be going out across both Spanish and English and you know, just hitting those communities in a in a way that that feels familiar to them and in a way that feels sort of like genuine. It's helpful because that's your that's your audience, right? That's representative of the running and the endurance community at large. And if you're not communicating to those individuals in some form or fashion or understanding what they need or what the individual needs. And in this case, Leo, what he needs to share from a content standpoint or from a language standpoint, then then you're missing uh, a massive opportunity and and you're missing, uh, or in our case, a decent portion of our participant base and also our community. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the people who do get into the program. So, you know, you send them an email, you know, glad to have you. Welcome on board, guys. What next? So you have your uh, race ambassadors. Do you send them out some kind of like standard kind of like media kit with logos and like your approved media that they can start using in their content? Do you send them out any specific day one instructions? How do you manage those people who come through the program? Yeah, so there's basically an agreement that they have to sign in return. And what it is, is it really breaks down what we want, what the expectations are, what they get and what they can expect to get and when they can expect to get it to really go back to that two-way street communication scenario that we keep talking about is I want to know every individual knows upfront what they're getting and what we expect of them. And they have to sign that in some form or fashion and send it back to me. And then I, I check it off, but we're also, you know, in the, in the process, we're also, uh, asking them to submit a little bit more information, including, and and this is very, very important from a content standpoint, is high-res photos. 
not screenshots or cropped images or a photo of a photo or something that you screenshotted off finisher picks with the finisher picks watermark scribbled all across it, right? Because what we can then do and what we, uh, what I actually just sent them uh, last week was we have designs created with those very specific photos for those specific ambassadors that say 2022 Austin Marathon ambassador, right? And specifically for this year, it has our 30th anniversary logo that we had created, but it also has their name on it. And it fits our brand. It fits our color scheme. It, it fits our font. It fits, you know, the 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 gradients that we have. And those individuals are then allowed to share those things however they see fit, whenever they want. They could share it a hundred times. They could share it just once. Um, I do ask that they share their acceptance as soon as possible because people are they're jacked. They're excited, right? They uh, the moment they get that acceptance email, they want to tell their friends, they want to tell their family, they want to tell Instagram, they want to tell Facebook. But we don't have those designs at that point in time, right? Uh, we don't have those unique comp codes at that point in time. So what that does is that creates a buzz, right? It tells their audience, oh hey, this big thing just happened, and then these ambassadors know to say expect more to come. I'm going to have designs coming. I'm going to have codes coming. I'm going to have opportunities coming. And that kind of creates a little bit of buzz. I mean, when you're when the Austin Marathon has 30 plus individuals sending that out, that's 30 different networks, 30 different audiences, 30 different communities. And granted, they all might be part of the same running slash endurance community, right? But it's not going to have the impact we would have if we just sent out, oh, hey, we just accepted our ambassadors. Uh, we'll share some more information soon. It's not going to have the same impact as Jackie over here, who is just thrilled beyond belief and can't wait to tell her her friends and family and following that she's a, an awesome marathon ambassador. And so it really, it really kind of deepens that that impact you have or that your brand and your event can have through the ambassador themselves. Yeah, I've seen those kind of teaser tweets, particularly on Twitter, that people put out when they're first accepted into race ambassador programs. And they're really effective because as you say, people are super excited. You know, they they can't they can't wait to get started. And it also gives everyone who follows them like something to anticipate when the codes are going to be coming out, when they're going to be sharing that. So it's really exciting. So beyond the beyond the comp code that you're sending to them, which is going to be unique, so you can also, I guess, track you know what what everyone's doing. You said specifics in the in the little contract that they signed. So specifically for the Austin Marathon, what specifically is the arrangement of what race ambassadors get and how do they get it and when do they get it? Yeah. So they have three different codes. And this is something where communication is critical because each code is very specific and is meant and has a different intended use. So they have a unique code that is unique. All of their codes are unique to them, but their unique code is $10 off registration for the event that they're an ambassador of. That's what they can share on social, friends, family, run group, clubs, if they're out at community events, if they're working booths at an expo. I've had ambassadors write their code down on postcards and have people sign up right there and they get, boom, 10 bucks off, right? So it's, it goes back to that in-person experience. They also have the comp codes we talked about earlier for the event. Uh, they get one for themselves and then they get a second 100% comp code that they can then give to a friend or a family member. And what some have actually been doing this year, and this is one of the ideas that came up uh, in email and also in that Facebook group, is the the idea of a giveaway, right? Uh, follow me, follow Austin Marathon, uh, tell me why you're excited, 30th anniversary, right? Hype it up, 
hype it up and build that build that following, create that energy and that excitement. So we've actually seen some of uh, our an increase in followers from stuff like that too. So if they want to do with that comp code whatever they want, um, just I mean, as long as they're not selling it to make money or anything like that, we're we're good with it. Uh, but then we also give them uh, a fifty percent off code that is good for our other events. So an Austin Marathon ambassador has all the stuff related to the Austin Marathon, but then they also have a third code that's good for 3M Half Marathon, Cap Tex Triathlon, Kerrville Triathlon Festival. We've seen that, we've heard that from our previous ambassadors that, hey, a lot of them cross over, a lot of them cross train, a lot of them are also triathletes. Sometimes they ask, hey, can I give this to, to my sister who's a bigger triathlete than I am? I'm not a big fan of limiting individuals. If someone genuinely comes up to me or sends an email and says, hey, my my sister is a bigger triathlete than I am. Can she have my 50% off code? That's fine with me. But we'll also give them, we'll also have a welcome package that'll go out. So currently, now that the, the photos are submitted, the designs are created, they're sent back to the ambassadors. Now we're going to work on getting them uh, outfitted with some gear. And so that takes a little bit longer because we have to get all that information from them as far as shirt size, potential jacket size, pants, shoes, socks, all that jazz, uh, because we'll then have stuff sent off that has, you know, the 30th anniversary design and logo and different, the differentiation from the previous years. So that, that does take a little bit of time to, to get together, uh, and, and actually get shipped out to those individuals. So that's something that I know they're excited about. I know they're waiting for it, but that's kind of part of the the timeline and the process, right? Getting them accepted, getting them their codes, getting them these designs that they can then share on social media. And now this almost like this welcome package is kind of the the next step in that in that iteration. But then we'll also have quarterly packages wherein we get koozies, pint glasses. I mean, anything that we can do to kind of continue to reward these individuals for their efforts and, and their time and their energy we're going to do it. And if we have to ship them out, we're going to ship them out. If we can do it at a happy hour and give them away, we're going to do that at a happy hour and, and give them away. The free tickets that they get, I mean, I guess the the gear you send it out to them because you want those guys to be, you know, branded head to toe with your stuff. But the, the free tickets that they get and the other 50% to the other events that you have, are those based on performance or would they get it outright regardless of, let's say, how many people they sign up? Both. They are based on performance, but what we saw last year is that when you base it off performance and having people hit certain triggers or certain goals or work a certain amount of expos or booths, is in you're giving access to those codes in one-off scenarios, which is very time-consuming. It's extremely time-consuming because in your, you end up dealing with five emails from one person saying, hey, I did da-da-da-da-da, can I get my free code? And then boom, six weeks later, they're like, all right, I did X, Y, and Z, can I get the second code? And that could end up being 12 to 15 emails for two codes for one person of your ambassador program. So what we did this year is we gave them access to those two free comp codes at the beginning. And I told them why. I said, hey, this is time consuming. This is our way of, A, this is your reward based on these things that you have to do. We're going to track these things and I'll keep tabs on if you come to a booth or work in expo or your code usage or if you're at a community event, 
We're going to keep track of these, but here are your comp codes up front. Go register, do what you need to do. That way, that essentially eliminates the need to handle those situations on a one-on-one basis and track certain things on a one-on-one basis. And so being able to communicate that and have them understand that, hey, this is how it was. Here's the feedback we got. Here's what we did to better the program. Don't let us down. If you need something, come ask, right? If, if you're having troubles, come ask. If you're, if you're not having the impact you thought you'd have, let's talk about ideas. But here are your two comp codes up front. Go get registered and, and share your other one with, with friends or family. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I can definitely see how it could be too much work to basically track all of that across like, you know, like 40 people, you know, like ticking boxes and moving them along. I did this, I did that just to give them the ticket. And I guess you give them the ticket up front. They're happy. You know, they understand what you're doing. There's like a trust element. Correct. And and that's something too that factors into the next year or the next opportunity for ambassadors for that specific event. Not only can you get feedback from that, but you can learn from it. You can say, all right, well, this worked way better than we expected. We're going to continue to do it. Or we had 25% of ambassadors not reach their goals, but they got their codes up front. What do we do to mitigate that moving forward? Or how do we, how do we help them be more successful moving forward? So it's not even just about, about trusting them. That, that is a massive component. It's also about basically streamlining the system and creating a path of least resistance, not only for the ambassadors, but also for employees who manage opportunities like this, myself included. So how can I make my job that much easier? How can I reduce the amount of communications needed to resolve this one issue or this one task or this one opportunity? And and on top of the, you know, of the standard package of stuff that you would you would give um, all the race, all the race ambassadors, would you do you have any kind of like special prize or something? I've seen that I've seen that in some programs where a bit of a friendly competition element to it, and you say that you know the, the the race ambassador who signs up the most people or the three top race ambassadors would get like something extra special from us. Do you have any of that? We haven't done that. That's actually a good idea. I'm going to write that down real quick because that <laughs> might be a, an improvement for next year. So we'll we'll give credit to you on that one. Um, but there's there's already an inherent competitive nature amongst endurance athletes, um, whether they're first timers or not. It's just, it's just how we're wired. But what we're trying to do also is create more of a teamwork mentality, sharing ideas, what works, what doesn't work, how, how I managed this giveaway as an ambassador, how I handled this opportunity, how I worked this event, how I shared postcards here, how I used my code at this group run and shared it with everyone. And boom, I already hit my 15 because the group run had a hundred people and they were all interested in, and they're actually currently training for my event, but they just weren't registered yet. And so being able to kind of take those mentalities and merge them is what we found to be beneficial in, in how we actually revamped the program uh, for this year heading into our 2022 calendar. And then going into next year, you have a few people, you know, they've pulled their weight, they've done great. How do you weigh up continuing with keeping some of those on board for 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 the next year and introducing some new blood to the program just you know so you can benefit from new stories new faces all of that stuff because you you also mentioned earlier that race ambassadors who've done that kind of thing before they tend to become more effective so how how do you weigh up you know the people with the experience your veteran race ambassadors against getting new people into the program 
for last year's ambassadors, I said, hey, y'all, we're doing, you gave me all this excellent feedback, all these ideas, all these thoughts, all the things that went right, all the things that went wrong, things that could be done better. Y'all are going to have first shot at 2022. And that was also stemming from them being, some of them being 2020 ambassadors, but not getting to actually be an ambassador because of some of our canceled events. So we had a lot of carryover, but what I want to do is is always give returning ambassadors first shot. But again, going back to clear communication saying, hey, all of you might not make it. We want to have a nice mix of returning because they can help with questions and answers and ideas and help with the new groups, incoming ambassadors. But also there's going to be natural attrition. People decide not to run anymore. They decide to not do triathlon anymore. They move, they start families, they switch jobs that requires them to travel more. They just don't want to be an ambassador. They had a lot of fun, but it takes a, it took up a lot more of their time than they anticipated. There's all these all these all these different reasons for natural attrition. It just depends on the applicants that come in. If you have all ambassadors returning from the previous year but you add on 75 new people who want to who want to join the ambassador program, there's going to be some hard choices that have to be made. Unless the program grew and had such a large ROI that the budget increase would therein increasing the amount of ambassadors for the following year. So there's a lot of pieces in play there, but having a foundation and a group of returning ambassadors is, is critical because they're going to have a knowledge base that I might not think to share this idea or this thought or this tactic or this approach and they might be able to chime in. So again, it goes back to them being an extension of me and an extension of the the brand and the event. And I guess for for um, for an event like the Austin Marathon, uh, where you have various distances, would you have a different subgroup of race ambassadors for the different events? So you'll try to mix a few 5Kers and some half marathoners and some marathoners. How, do, how would that work? No, we don't ask them what event or what distance they plan to run. Again, that kind of goes back to the bio they submit or the story about themselves that they submit, right? A lot of people will be upfront in that Austin's going to be their first full. That that's that was a couple of of people's applications. So that then kind of triggers, oh, hey, that's a that's a good story. We might be able to to glean some ideas from that, some content, some tips, some advice. We don't necessarily ask what distance they plan to run upfront, but some people will be a little bit more forthcoming in their bios or in their stories about what they want to run. Now, when Austin Marathon ambassadors are accepted, they're not ambassadors of a specific distance. They're ambassadors of the brand and of the event. Now, if they have to drop from the full to the half, we'll take care of them. If they want to if they want to get, you know, grow from the half to the full because they had an excellent training and they hit some really good long runs with their group, boom, we're going to take care of them and adjust that on the back end. If they want to run the 5K with their family or they got injured and couldn't train for a month and need to drop down to the 5k, boom, we're going to take care of them. That's all part of their story. That's all part of their background, right? That could be something that they talk about, about don't feel ashamed dropping from a half marathon to a 5k because you missed four to six weeks due to injury or some other life scenario came up and happened and took you away from your schedule. Again, it, it kind of goes back to not being an ambassador of a specific distance, but being an ambassador for the brand or the event although a specific distance might be tied directly to their story. So I've seen you guys, you advertise your race ambassador programs on the website, which I guess, you know, is an obvious place to put it. 
uh, and I've seen those high-res images and the stories, which is really great for uh, for visitors to the website. Do you go beyond that to advertise the program in hope of getting even more people to apply for it? Yeah, so so outside of the website, it's it's definitely shared via social media. That's kind of the the main way to reach the audience. Word of mouth is still huge, and and I'm a huge believer that that will never go away. The social age, digital age can do whatever it wants to do. Word of mouth at the end of the day is still going to be more than likely your biggest friend and your greatest friend when it comes to opportunities like this uh, because people trust one another. If I tell you, hey, I had a great oppor- or I had a great time being an ambassador last year, I think you'd be great, but I can't do it this year because my family's growing and we just had a son. You're going to trust me that I had a great time last year doing that more than you're going to trust a Facebook post telling you you're going to have a good time from the Austin Marathon, right? Granted, you may trust that, but me telling you that peer-to-peer, that, that 1v1, right, that, that, that me coming straight to you, uh, you're, going to, you're going to be more likely to take the next step because of what I tell you than what a Facebook post tells you from the event itself. And I'll guess you you'll also email the people on your newsletter, you know, people who follow you. Correct. Some of them would probably, you know, just subscribe to the newsletter just to be notified of when the, the program is is up and running, right? Yeah, email email is another big thing, especially with our our participant base. And uh sometimes we'll even put out press releases to let people know. Um, you know, try to share it with some of the local uh running sites or forums and stuff like that. And that then you know, that kind of goes back to your previous ambassadors who will then say, hey, here's this great opportunity. I can't do it this year because of X. If you think you'd be a great fit, sign up, right? That goes back to that word of mouth, that, that, that sharing within the community. So there's, there's all these different opportunities outside of just the, you know, your straight up website, your straight up email, um, you know, even in-person stuff, attending training kickoffs or smaller community events or telling club presidents to to include it in their email to their to their followers or their subscribers. So there's there's a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different ways to get that word out. It's just a matter of figuring out kind of that path of least resistance like we were talking about earlier that will then gain you the the best pool of applicants with which to pull from. So last thing I'd like to touch on, which I think is uh, quite important in all this, is return on investment. I mean, a pretty technical term, but I think people are familiar with it. Basically, you know, it's effort in stuff coming out of it. And I think it's been, should be quite obvious from all of this discussion that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of resources also just in straight out cash to run a race ambassador program. So, do we have any feel at all? And and I appreciate that might be a little bit hard to like, you know, pin down very specifically, but do we have any feel on the return you're getting on all of that time and all of that money that you put into the program? Yeah, I, I figured this might be a question, uh, but you, you kind of hit the nail on the head about this still being kind of a, an unrefined science. And what I did is I just kind of came up with some general numbers based on certain items that then feed into that final number. So for an ambassador, a single specific ambassador, uh, when you when you consider their codes, the gear and shipping, it's roughly $1000 per ambassador. Okay. They get about $1000 worth of 
stuff. Stuff in return, right? And so that goes back to the codes and the gear. And, and, and even what I did is I just kind of included roundabout shipping in there, right? But when you think about that number, that doesn't necessarily include food and drinks at expos or you know a quick breakfast or a happy hour or covering the tab of that happy hour, right? Other goodies as they might come along the, the pipeline, say as new sponsors and partners get involved. None of that was factored into that amount. And now bringing up the ROI, what I did is I took the, the unique code usage alone, right? And so the minimum for each ambassador in order to get that first comp code is 15 uses. And that, that means they're using that $10 off. Someone is using that $10 off code 15 times. And specifically for the Austin Marathon, I took our registration as it stands yesterday for the marathon, the half marathon, and the 5K, which the 5K is 59. I think the half was 129 and the full was 149. I averaged that out and then multiplied that by 15, 15 uses, because we're kind of a, about in the middle of our of our pricing tier structure right now. Um, so I didn't go high. I didn't go super low. We're about right in the middle. And that's $1,680 for the Austin Marathon alone, if you, if you kind of average everything out. Now with 3M, it's a standalone half marathon. There's only one distance. Uh, it was 129 for the half. So that ended up being uh, $1,935 as long as every ambassador has their code used 15 times. And again, that's middle of the road of our pricing structure. Those numbers alone, the ROI is already there. Now, if they go above and beyond and you know use the code gets used more time, that number only ticks up. And, and I go back to um, items that weren't really factored in for the ambassadors themselves as far as what they get in return. But there's other things that we just haven't been able to quantify or put a dollar amount to yet. And that includes engagement, exposure, reach, uh, content created, booths worked, time saved. Um, you know, we, we kind of hit on certain aspects and scenarios where ambassadors kind of, like I was saying, they're an extension of me, of the brand and of the event. There's a dollar amount associated with that because it saves my time. It saves our company's time. It saves my colleagues' time, right? So being able to put a dollar amount with that is something that only makes that ROI increase that much more. So if it's done correctly, if it's orchestrated properly, um, if it's communicated effectively, if the rewards and the incentives are there, it is an effective ROI. And it, and it gets more people into our events and it, and it helps us reach populations and in, in segments of the community that we may not be able to have the, the full effect within that said community that we want to have, wherein these ambassadors can have that, that impact. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, my guess would be that if 15 race entries is sort of the minimum or the benchmark, my guess would be that, that quite a few people would do a lot better than that. And as you say, there's all of these sort of like below the line items that you can't really put a number on, really. So, you know, that's sort of like a bare minimum of kind of seems to be coming out at like 2x your investment. Of course, you need to factor in the time for you and the team. You know, on the one hand, as you're saying, these race ambassadors, they're out there answering questions, helping people out. So they're sort of saving you time. On the other hand, you need to administer the program and stuff. But it's a it's a really tough calculation for sure. Is there anything similar to that, that you would use to evaluate individual race ambassadors' performance? So you can tell at the end of the year, you know, that guy pulled their weight, that guy didn't? Yeah, there's there's definitely, and, and this is, you know, one of the things that we started doing this year is in a 
way of streamlining communication and kind of reducing the amount of time spent calculating these individual unique codes, what I do is I tell them, hey, you've already got your, your comp code. Just keep pushing your unique code. And what we'll do is we'll update you at every monthly meeting. I'll go through and I'll check each code myself. Uh, you know, maybe my colleague Fiona will help out and check them for that month, right? But what we'll do is we'll update the spreadsheet wherein those individuals, um, this is something I didn't even talk about earlier, uh, all of our ambassadors from a transparency standpoint have access to this spreadsheet. And what it does is it also has their codes on it, all of their codes. So they can access it whenever they want. They can't edit it, but they have access to that. So they can see, all right, October meeting is coming up on the 21st. William did updates these week, this week. I'm gonna go check the I'm gonna go check the list. Or I worked a booth at the Kerrville Tri Expo. I'm gonna see if that was added to my basically line item for column F, where it says this person has done this. Or I wrote this blog and it got published. It's not listed in my section. Hey William, add it to my section because that then calculates or or, or goes towards. Uh, those contributions that we we do track. Um, I wish there was a, an easier way to to track all that stuff, but for the time being, this is the best way. And and it also just gives a little bit more time to communicate with these individuals um, and get to know them a little bit better. But yes, we we are gonna you know we are tracking stuff. They know about that upfront. They have access to this. Again, I'm that's another thing. You know, as far as over communicating is concerned, uh, transparency. You have to be you have to be transparent. Um, you have to be forthright because that helps build the relationship and establish trust. And, and, you know, that just kind of furthers their, their deepening involvement in their relationship with, with your brand and your event. You have to, you have to treat them like you would your title sponsor. If you're, if you're fortunate enough to have a title sponsor, you have to treat your ambassadors just like the person who signs that check for your title sponsorship or the CEO who, who holds the finish line tape at the, on race day. I mean, it's you got to treat them with dignity and respect because they're again an extension of your brand and your event and and that's what it boils down to at the end of the day yeah absolutely i think you know treating people with respect particularly people that you work so closely with is is absolutely key volunteers as well you know like thanking people we've been through that in in other episodes that just a simple thank you to some of those people is the most important the most basic and the most important and most effective thing you can do that costs you nothing and it's just a courtesy that shows that you know that you remember their contributions and you just say thank you at the end of the day it's really really important last question from me someone who wants to get started with a race ambassador program i mean there's quite a few events um, have those these days which is great but uh, for people who don't and might be interested on the back of this to go out and launch their own race ambassador programs, what words of wisdom would you hold for them? Uh, I mean, just like you would want to do any other new implementation you want to add to your event, you got to do your due diligence, do your research, see what other people out there are doing, um, listen to this podcast a couple of times maybe, take notes. I mean, you could always reach out to me if, if there are questions, william at high5events.com. There's no trade secrets here. There's there's nothing that you know we're keeping close to the vest. But yeah, do your due diligence and research, and then be able to take what you've researched and what other events are doing, and apply that to your goals. Right. So in year one of your ambassador program, what do you want your goals to be? Is it a specific number of ambassadors? Is it a specific number of people registering through those ambassadors? Is it blogs created is it social media posts like what are your what are you wanting out of that ambassador program so it's a matter of doing your research but then 
making that align with your goals and making sure that your goals are attainable. That's another thing because maybe this is a trade secret. I don't know. I always like to undershoot and overdeliver. And that's a, it's, it's also a big psychological thing, uh, but it also makes you look successful, but that way you don't feel stressed trying to get, oh, I wanted to get 50 ambassadors, but we only got 40 applications. How am I going to get 10 more applicants, right? Because then you put yourself in a bind to where you're trying to reach that number to reach a goal. And then you might be letting people who aren't as invested in the ambassador program as you want them to be into the program just to hit a goal. If you go over your goal, fantastic, by all means, do it, do it up. But make sure that your goals are attainable, especially in year one, um, and especially if it pertains to your budget or dollars spent or dollars coming in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those kinds of arbitrary targets in anything, whether it's sales or you know hitting a number of race ambassadors or whatever, they're just silly numbers, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. You can plug a number out of thin air. You soon solve for that. And as you say, you should never discount your race ambassadors program by just you know, getting anyone in simply because you want to have 40 or 50 of them. You know, if it's, if, if anything's clear from the last uh, hour or so of our discussion is that you really need to get the right people in because they're going to be spending time with you. You know, they're going to be an ambassador for your team. So, you know, selecting those people rightly is super, super, super important. So William, thank you very much for your time today. That has been uh, very helpful, I'm sure, for many people. Thanks for having me. It was, it was great to talk about this. And if anyone wants to follow along uh, here in probably the next four weeks, four or six weeks, we're going to open applications for 2022 CapTex Triathlon and 2022 Kerrville Triathlon Festival. So that's just another thing. If you want to see how it's done or follow along, or maybe you want to be an ambassador, definitely feel free to apply because those will be going out soon. Make sure you're following us on social media or get on our email newsletter because that's, that's the best way to get the information uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Awesome. I want to wish you uh, all the best with the remainder of uh, race season for you guys at High Five Events. I'm sure it's going to be getting better and better for everyone. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks to everyone uh, listening and I will see everyone on the next podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode on Race Ambassador Programs with my guest, High Five Events Communications Manager, William Dyson. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your questions about launching and growing your Race Ambassador Program or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on your favorite player. And also check out the podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races.